Hi everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the LT Motorsport podcast. Uh, my name's Jay, I'm again joined by Jordan, Ollie and Jack. Uh, I think we've got plenty to cover so let's get to it. Um, I think we'll start off with the, the F1. A uh, bit of an interesting result I think. Yes. Not what was expected I'd, I'd hasten um. to add. Uh Especially after FP3, let's say that. Yeah, I think, okay, first and foremost, absolute credit to the Red Bull pit crew. They went for it. They they rolled the dice and it certainly paid off. And it's what I want to see because China, I see, I class an overtaking track. And if track position is so crucial there, I think it just... There's something wrong. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. something wrong. So, um yeah, I just um very happy that and they it really should have been the Red Bull one two by quite a fair margin. But um Yes, let's wait. We'll get on to the what I think you're alluding yeah. to. We'll get on to that in a minute. <laughs> dot, dot, but dot. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean obviously let's so let's talk about Daniel Ricardo. Obviously not not a great um start coming out of practice and into qualifying. Uh, no. well I say not a great start. No, it wasn't a great start to the weekend, no. <laughs> but it was a great start to qualifying to end up actually qualifying after an engine yeah. letting go. We got one lap yeah. in a qualifying one, scraped through in P14, and uh, yeah, he uh, did a very good job in Q2 to um, back up the pace. And uh, it was a bit slower than Max in Q3, but he had much, you know, he didn't have any time in FP3, had one lap in Q1, so an average, a fairly good qualifying, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but in the race, he was lacking a bit, and uh, they needed something to happen with Ricardo because he was, Max was dicing with the Ferraris and the Mercedes, but Ricardo was just just that bit behind sixth, but it's just holding on a bit. But um, yeah, drew absolutely superb in, this, uh, in the last stint, and some of those overtakes were absolutely mental. How you know you don't see many people overtake Lewis Hamilton, let alone dive bombing from the yeah. You just sit there and you're like, that. How can you even overtake it? And we get we give a lot of credit to young Verstappen for his overtakes and his drive, but I think Ricardo's certainly not underrated, but doesn't get enough credit. I, I certainly think they've got two of the best overtaking manoeuvre drivers in in this year's grid. In the I'd say team. the two best. Yeah, yeah. I'd say because the way, the way Ricardo just dive bombs people and then doesn't lock up or doesn't run wide is just absolutely outstanding when he can break like a few feet later than people it's um yeah yeah quality so i think um daniel is skillful at it but verstappen is fearless he's got no respect for whether you're a five-time world champion or what you yeah. know it doesn't care if he wants to try and overtake you he's going to try and overtake you yeah, and people are good, and you know, people see it as a good thing or a bad thing. Good thing that the guy, that the young kid, doesn't care. He's just focusing on winning. But then there's some people, for example, we look back to last week in MotoGP and how much Marquez got slated for not having enough respect for Rossi. 
whereas here it's a bit 50 50 how people say oh but you went for it so yeah my, my, my favorite thing about this is that a lot of people are saying oh verstappen is the marquez of f1 if you're being called the marquez of f1 you should be really proud of that because yeah. since being in MotoGP, he's only not won one title. And that was 2015 when Jorge Lorenzo won. So I don't see. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest, right? I've been a Vettel fan. Not, uh, oh, yeah, I'll buy his shirts and I love Vettel. I've been a Vettel fan, okay, for quite a while. Like, from Red Bull, when the time when people have, hated yeah. him uh, because he was winning all the time. This is the problem. People hate him because he was winning all the time. Then they hate him because he wasn't Guilty. winning and he was frustrated. And then they hate him because he started winning again and he's a little bit arrogant. I'm sorry, but when you've won four or four world championships, you couldn't afford to be arrogant. And the way which I compare it is that you looked at Lewis's comments about Max and how, if you say, unprofessional it was. Um, whereas Sebastian was all cool and calm about, even on the radio. You know, most ninety-five percent of drivers would be fuming if you got. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and, I agree. Uh... Yeah, I think to just a leading on from that, I think I was talking to someone yesterday. Was sort of saying, I think again leading on from talking about Vettel, he's he seems to have really like since uh, I think Azerbaijan, which obviously was a that was a big uh, naughty time. Yeah. Um, since then, he's really, really matured and like calmed yeah. right down. He doesn't seem to get flapped anymore. Yeah. He just no, like, yeah, no. even if he gets taken out, he's like, well, that's racing, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing, to be honest, because obviously you mentioned Azerbaijan. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> Azerbaijan, <laughs> that's better. Last, that's, Baku, that's yeah, Baku. last year. <laughs> yeah. If you can't pronounce it, just say Baku. Baku, that, yeah. That, that, that's why I do all the because half the time, just Abidja, Azip, Abidja, yeah. Yeah, but after Baku. that, he's just matured so much and he's become a lot better for it because he's just taking them second places and settling for the thirds and being consistent over a longer period of the season, where back in his Red Bull days, He'd be liable just popping a fastest lap of the race right at the end. And yeah. Christian Hulmers on the radio were rocky or whatever again. Seb, slow down. We don't want to risk the car. So I, I don't think it's a case of necessarily crashing, but actually just being consistent and looking after the car a lot more. Yeah, well, he's um, gained a lot of British support. Like I know quite a lot of people that support Formula 1. Obviously, you get loads of people that support Lewis, but we're talking even three year, two, three years ago, no one ever really... Sebastian, not just because the results, but his attitude, sort of like defending Lewis in the press conference, gained a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Lewis you... fan, from Formula One fans, sports fans in general. Yeah, I mean, you look last year, even a little bit the year before, he was getting booed on the podium, and yeah. Well, actually, last year at Silverstone, when uh, when uh, Vettel got his puncture, um, about what five laps from the end. There was celebrate that uh, uh, there was cheers when that happened, as which it was, was in 2013 when he retired at Silverstone, yeah. as I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, like I say, I, just sort of to round that off. Yeah, I mean, I think he took that whole that whole incident with Max. Really, you know, that was just absolutely shows how much he's grown. I think as a as a driver and as a person. 
because before he was just as liable to you know even last year he would have rammed him off the track or something or, yeah you know used to, when they showed the little bit of footage there was a still of them talking in the pits and i thought oh this is going to be everyone's jumping around saying oh he's you know he's calling in this calling in that but actually if you just watch it he was talking and they he was just sort of demonstrating what he, you know what happened blah blah blah, blah, blah. like the alonso incident wasn't getting too carried he got a bit annoyed at that one as i would yeah. be in my opinion. yeah yeah, yeah. I think alonso alonso. Move was, I think it, it was, was a harsh it. move it was harsh <laughs> you knew he was gonna do it though <laughs> yeah but yeah. i guess when you're fighting for points you've got to go yeah. for it ain't you yeah, to be I mean, fair, I'd rather we criticised Bottas last week for not actually going for the move on um Seb at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Yeah, but yet I this week we really had the opportunity. If I'm completely honest, in Bahrain, really, it, to no, be fair, he locked Dan- up a couple Dan- to go. So Daniel Ricciardo has actually come out and said that if that was him, he'd have given it a go, which I guess it shows how drivers are less comfortable actually dive bombing people in F1, which to be fair, it sort of makes me question the calibre of drivers that we've got in F1, whether they actually trust their fellow competitors or not to um dive up the inside. Um that's what fans want to see. They don't want to see drivers yielding or you know, you want to see a driver going for you know, Bottas covered the inside and yeah Ricardo went even more inside somehow and uh pulled off an amazing move i mean i'm talking about uh drivers yielding um technically kimmy should have had p1 in going into some one of the race whether he just backed out because uh it was vettel alongside him yeah i saw that that was i sat there and i was like surely because i'm sure seb knew that if he was going to cover kimmy off that one someone would pass kimmy around the outside if not both of them um so i sat there i was like surely you don't do that to your teammate you, you know worst case you do the you know you just put an undercut on kimmy and you're through but because this could have could have been a one two i couldn't see a one two for mercedes how are we surprised when we're saying this but i could have seen that obviously a one two for red bull and for ferrari early stint should have been a ferrari one two the last stint should have been a red bull one two but mercedes was sort of they were nowhere in qualifying, picked up the pace a bit more in the race, and thought yeah. I should have really won the race. But Yeah, just going to, so, obviously, we've, said, we've both said there, and I think we all agree, yes, we all could have seen a, potentially a Ferrari 1-2. We all could have seen a, yeah. potentially a Red Bull 1-2. At no point could we have seen, in my opinion, a Mercedes 1-2. Yeah, exactly. How strange I... is that at this point? Yeah. In... And also, uh, this weekend, uh, it's the first time since the hybrid era that Mercedes have not won three races. And this is Lewis yeah. Hamilton track, and he was, whether it was, um, he was outpaced by Ferrari and Red Bull, he was outpaced by his teammate. Yeah. Know? And Bottas usually doesn't go well. That You know, he had the embarrassment of last year where he spun it under the safety car. And this year, even in Bahrain, was just, dom- you know, fastest you know he, i know he had the penalty hamilton but bottas was faster in the race because hamilton had pressure tires and he couldn't catch up to him and then we look in china he dominated him then bottas did pretty well in baku recovering from a puncture last year to second on second just had a stroll so i'll be honest i think we're in for a good season well okay so i was i was thinking about again i was thinking about this yesterday after the race so, first of all, I think if you watch the, some of the 
the way that Hamilton was driving, there's two ways to look at it. In in China, this is China specific. Forget the other two races or yeah. the other the other races. So if you watch the way he was driving, it looked to me like he was very submissive. He was there, when cars were sort of attacking, he wasn't really putting up a fight. It seemed to me like he was just going, well, okay, look. Either he wasn't in the mood to kind of battle, which is unlike him. So we might see a, maybe a slip in form because of his attitude. That's what, that's option one. Second one is, I just want to get a decent result, damage limitation, whatever, because, and this is what my theory is, the Mercedes is ridiculous in the second half of the season. As, yeah, is, yeah. as is Lewis Hamilton. I mean, yeah, no, last I... year. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, and one thing also, I will say, sorry, um, yeah, sorry Gonjo. Go all, all, all I was going to say was, as well as that, that feeds into that theory is the fact that obviously, was it three engines now? Um, you know, they might be seeing how far they can stretch one for a bit of you know fact finding for the rest of the rest of the season to see how hard they can in that second half, how hard they've actually got to push. Because they yeah. can stretch one out as long as possible and get reasonable results. Well, it makes the second half of the season way easier. Yeah, it does. Um, one thing I will say on Mercedes, though, is that um, this is from um, Ted Kravitz in his um, pit lane walkabout at the end of the race on Sunday. He was saying that um, even before the weekend in China, Mercedes are actually already coming under pressure from like, their bosses or the people in higher positions asking where the results at because let's be honest they haven't had the best of starts to the season and um for people to start questioning mercedes and their maybe mindset already it just shows the dominance that they've had in the hybrid era i think jack mentioned it earlier like the first three races of the season and we haven't had a mercedes one too that's never happened um so yeah, yeah. It, me well, personally oh yeah go on now, all I was going to say was, I think Mercedes need to win a race pretty soon. Otherwise, I just think it's Ferrari's title to lose. Yeah, but and the that's... way I look at it is that I look at Mercedes should have won in Australia. They probably should have won in Bahrain. If Bottas, you know, if Lewis didn't have his penalty or Bottas put a move, you know, or if Vettel even pitted, which I still think he might have done if there wasn't the pit lane incident. Um they could really have won the first two races and should have even won the third one because of Bottas undercutting that one if it wasn't the safety car shenanigans. Yeah. Coming um, back to Lewis um, about his damage limitation weekend, the way I look at it, I agree with that because we looked at Lewis and I think this is where the mind of a four-time world champion comes in because he... You know, when the Red Bulls were coming through, you know, he let Verstappen through two times, you know, before and after the spin. He also let, you know, when Ricardo passed him, he didn't put up any of the fights. He knew the car was faster. And obviously, I know Seb's a four-time world champion, but Seb tried a bit harder. If he did exactly what Lewis did and just let Verstappen through, that, you know, they, they wouldn't be in contact. I still a billion percent agree that it was Verstappen's fault. But I think that, I don't know, if I was Vettel and I see a Max Verstappen behind me on faster tyres, um, I might have yielded a bit more. I don't know. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, so obviously, maybe in a way, he hasn't matured just quite yet. If he didn't yield, I mean, obviously we're not slating Seb for doing that because, like, that's obviously I want to see that. I want to see yeah, hard racing. So yeah, it's interesting talking point that actually. Yeah. Um. Sort of moving on from some of the, the the front teams, I think what seems to be happening now is that the teams that we were kind of going, oh well, they're doing well. That we didn't expect them to be doing well. That seems to be settling down a little bit now. Yeah, Toro also had a bit of a shambles in um, China. I mean, I think Hartley just snuck through to Q two. I wasn't. I haven't. I didn't actually watch much of the weekend. I only watched I half of the race. So Gasly Hartley was out. Hartley went through. I think. Yeah, Ga- yeah. Gasly was knocked out in Q one, and um, Hartley just got through, and then they finished nineteenth no no Hartley finished last and yeah, he um, retired and Gazzy was seventeenth I think. Okay, I didn't know Hartley retired, so yeah. yeah. And there was a talking point about the uh contact between you know, the crucial bit of contact, shall we say, that brought out the safety car between those two, because when I first looked at it and a million people agreed was that Pierre Gasly was at fault. But then after but no. the race, Toro Rosso told them that uh, was uh, saying, or Gasly was saying, that Hartley was going to let Gasly through. And that changed it quite a lot, because if Hartley was going to let him through and then suddenly shuts the door, all of a sudden it looks like it's him at fault. I don't know what you think, but that completely changed it. Because when I first saw it and I saw Gasly complain on the radio, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is all your fault. But now I can sort of understand why he's getting frustrated if they told they told Gasly that yeah Brendan's gonna let you through and he looks like he's not you know he's not making the apex and all of a sudden turns in I'll be quite miffed as well. Yeah definitely. I think um I think that kind of shows a little bit of the some of these teams that aren't used to fighting at the front and you know doing some of that stuff. I think maybe it shows a their inexperience a little bit and miscommunication because on the whole would that would that sort of thing ever happen at your Mercedes and your Ferrari probably not no they, they would have let him through the I thought it would have made sense to let him through the back you know the massive back straight you've got and then you could still pick up a toe if you do it early in the back straight but yeah it's a bit I don't know it's a bit of a shambles like you said and there's all I've already seen the conspiracy theories that Toro also <laughs> crashed to let Red Bull win and all that. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But another thing which I still don't understand, there's one thing I need to get off my chest of this, uh, of all this uh, stuff before we talk about the lower midfield teams, was why Lewis Hamilton did not pit. So I, I sat there, I was like, you, you've not got much pace at all. You know, you've got to beat Vettel, really. Which luckily he did, obviously, with Vettel's incidents. Um, I was like, why have you not pit? Because you've now got, you know, I think he, Nico Hulkenberg only finished six seconds behind him in the Renault. And, well, you know, okay, he finished ahead of Verstappen and Vettel after the flag, but I, was, I just sat there, I was like, what are you doing? You know, he's complaining about rear tyres. I was like, pit. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be, I think, the. Um... What the, what, 
on the Channel Four highlights, the, oh sorry, on the yeah on the Channel Four coverage, they were saying it's everybody commented on the fact that it seems like Mercedes missed missed something strategically there. Like really, it's a real drop of the ball kind of thing. Like yeah, when someone else, when everyone else spots it and you don't, that's got to say something about. I just I just thought it would have made sense to split the strategy as well because surely it means that one car will win. Yeah. Because you've. They um they were faster than Red Bull, weren't they, in the race, really? Mm-hmm. And you know, on the same tires. So either Bottas, if the so if it is staying out would have worked, Bottas would have won the race from Vettel, pres- presumably. Um and then if it was on soft tires, I thought Lewis Lewis might have won. Certainly would have came second with all the shenanigans, but obviously it's easy to say after the uh the end of the race, but I still think that's a bit of a bizarre decision. I have a question because because I didn't watch much of the race. Um, why did Vettel suddenly lose a hell of a load of pace? Because yeah, when know. he spun back round, he was only fourth or something. That was but, you've answered your own question there. I think what happened is Vettel was struggling with rear tires, and when he lit them up to spin it back round, if you see the cloud of smoke he made, he just lost all. Grip in tight, you know, he lost tire degradation and he was literally struggling just to keep it on the road. Because uh, I think his um floor also got damaged in the collision with um yeah, Stappen because that. yeah, exactly. he was struggling with downforce quite a lot. Yeah, so along with tires and a bit of floor damage, he was just yeah, I'm not being funny, there was another five laps, he might have even been out the points, but um. Did all right to hang on to P8 in the end, was it? Yeah, P8. And he's still ahead of Lewis by nine points. But in my opinion, it should be a lot more. And I think Lewis has come off pretty pretty good after the weekend because out of the six, I thought he should have, slash could have finished P6. He probably would have in the end because Kimi had strong pace, should have nicked second. And uh, yeah. Yeah, um, again, I think that takes us back to the um, point of, well, maybe he's just thinking in the, you know, or even Mercedes as a whole are just thinking in, you know, the bigger picture rather than trying to win as many races from the start as possible. Just trying to get, win it by points rather than, you know, by merit, if you like. Yeah, it's a long season for sure. Obviously, it's one of the joint longest on the calendar. And like you said, Mercedes will come off better um yeah they're still my pick for driver and constructor i want to say hamilton and mercedes but i wouldn't rule out bottas at this rate he's you know it's two two second place finishes could have been two first place finishes but um yeah because i was a bit worried after obviously he had the uh australia shenanigans with the crashing quali and uh obviously only finishing p8 but um yeah, I think Bottas, if he by the um Spain, I always like I start to look at the table, the point stands by about Spain when the upgrades come in. Um, if he's if he's a, if he's with them about there, I wouldn't rule him out for the title. Yeah, it's a big year for him. It's and a big also, year to prove his point. And also, just like to point out, Azerbaijan is up next, and that is the track 
what all the shenanigans happened last year. So let's hope we have hope, a 2017 and a 2016. I, I I was I was actually saying that to my mate today. Um, yeah. Uh, so but yeah, hopefully more shenan- I think I think we got more shenanigans last year because the cars were a lot wider and the Baku streets are very well. They changed the half the streets are very narrow. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll like uh, we'll be exciting to see what happens there in two weeks' time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think should be uh, an interesting one at the very least. Right. Okay. Well, moving on from petrol to uh, electric power. Formula E. Our very own correspondent was there in Rome. Yeah. So maybe I was. Uh, <laughs> maybe give us a little rundown or. Oh, I I I I, st- I still feel like a kid at Christmas because I've I've only been back twenty four. I've only been back in the UK twenty four hours. So yeah, but uh, it was uh, it was a very it was a very good race. Uh, admittedly, it was overshadowed very heavily by how much action there was in Formula One, but it um it was still a very exciting race. Rosenquist, who was on pole. Uh, actually hit a curb and that dislodged his rear left tire, I think it was, and so he had to park up earlier, early on, and that left Samber to try and fend off Mitch Evans' Jaguar for um, uh, for the win, uh, which he did because Mitch Evans fell away into the clutches of Lucas Degrassi and um, Andre Lotterer. Andre Lotterer, and there was another, but was there another one or not? I can't remember. I thought it might have been a four-way fight. Well, it was but... Evans, wasn't it? He had Evans, Degrassi, yeah. Lotterer, but Evans ran out Evans, of power. Ra- Evans was crawling round the final two sectors of the lap because he was absolutely out of power. So uh, I think he finished ninth in the end, which was still... It, it, it's still points for Jaguar. However, they came, they came oh so close to... Even thinking about their first, um, uh, their first um, win, and and actually first proper podium in uh, Formula E. Because PK took one, didn't he? After results, I forgot who it was. Was it Degrassi got? Um, uh, they got one in New York when At got disqualified. Uh, uh, Mitch Evans. Uh, inherited it and he won that race but it, it but it, it was still a very exciting race and I did uh, and, and and the circuit was actually really good but uh, p- parts of it were really really wide parts of it were quite narrow um but the but my but my favorite thing about it is that the pit lane no not pit lane uh pit straight Right next, um, pit straight was right next to a petrol station. I saw that when they when the five <laughs> lights went out, they were by a petrol station. I was like, I don't know if they deliberately did that. Uh, I missed that. Just, yeah, yeah. Time when I went through that's, the replay, I looked left. I was like, what? Yeah, that is that's brilliant. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know if that was on purpose. I should have really asked Alejandro about that i did i did pass i did pass alejandro a couple of times but um i didn't i didn't get to speak to him however one person i did get to speak to 
was uh, was the race winner, Sam Bird, and I spoke to him after the race. So how did, how did he sound? Um, yeah, I'd I'd say put um put the uh, uh put the interview. Uh, I can give you the interview there, and then just shove it in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, anything else that we want to discuss on Formula E, just go, and then we'll cut it back for. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, obviously talking to talking to him. What was I mean? You know, yeah, you didn't the interview. We can we'll link that in, but you know, how was it? Uh, what was he like to talk to? Is he you know pretty easy going or? Oh, I ge- ge- uh, genuinely when uh, when I was in pit lane uh, trying to find people to speak to after the race. Um, I was I was a bit nervous because I I I haven't done much in terms of interviewing before, and then uh, to uh, to actually be accredited in Formula E, which is my favourite racing series, so that's that's kind of where I want to be. And um, yeah, I, I I was a bit nervous. However, I think I came across quite well, so it's all good. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic event. It was really really hot. It was about twenty. It it reached twenty seven degrees on the Saturday and for someone who was wearing trousers it's just yeah <laughs> also I'm ginger so I had to put um sun cream on a hell of a load um so but yes uh uh the circuit uh but yeah the, the race was amazing the atmosphere was uh pun intended electric <laughs> okay so uh obviously at like Formula One races you've got you don't just have the Formula One going on. You've got there's obviously the support races, but there's also like they put some they put live things on as well. Did, did you get the same sort of stuff at the Formula E? Or? Well, for, well, well, on the podium they actually had they they actually had live bands playing throughout the day, and um uh, and also in in the E Village in um the the E Village, thank the Lord, was in a massive air conditioned building. <laughs> So I was quite relieved about that, but um, but yeah. So the E race took place there, which is up on Formula E's official YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, the E Village is just fan heaven for uh, for motorsport fans. You can uh, you can do sim racing. You can um, uh, and th- they have the Gen Five car. Uh, uh, Gen five, Gen two, season five, Scar. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's the first race that they've actually brought it to because it wasn't at Punta del Este, and it wasn't officially unveiled until after Mexico City. So that was the first time where fans would be up and close to the Gen two Formula E car, and it was it was phenomenal. That the, the diffuser on the back, just seeing it in real life, was insane. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, from the pictures I've seen, it looks absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, it should be a good season next year, season five, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should. Uh, there's no um, there's going to be uh, the battery next year will last the entire race. There's going to be no car swapping next year, so it'll just be lights to flag. Which, in a way, might be better, I guess, because I'm it's more like pure racing, Possibly. I guess. And that, but yeah, um, 
But yeah, we, we, we've still got five races left uh, with the current car. And the next race is, funnily enough, also in two weeks. Uh, where once again, it clashes with a Formula One race. Um, but that will be coming from Paris. So back to a track that Formula E actually knows, because this was the first time that the event was held in Rome. And actually, straight after the race, it was announced that Rome has signed a five-year extension. So... Formula E will be visiting Rome until 2023, I think. So, yeah, it's it's good news for Rome and good news for Formula E. Oh, interesting. I think we will keep this week reasonably short since we went on for an hour last week. So uh, we'll let everyone off for this one. Um, yeah, we'll we'll obviously catch up again for the next the next uh, set of races and stuff and put our thoughts together on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice one. Well, thanks. Thanks, Ollie, Jordan and Jack. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you everyone. Cheers. Cheers.